Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Irenic Rep Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. The word Irenic means aimed at or aiming towards peace. And my goal with this podcast is to try to create a bridge between coaches and officials by showing the humanity of each other in a more robust way, which isn't necessarily achievable in the minimal interactions a coach and official may experience during a game. With all that said, let's get to it. Today's guest has been coaching for over 26 years. He was part of a state championship team while at Roosevelt and has had multiple state tournament appearances with Roosevelt and Washington high schools and recently as a head coach with Jefferson High School. He was the first ever varsity boys basketball coach at Jefferson and in the first two years of the program's existence, he has taken his teams to the state tournament both times with a seventh place finish in the first year and a third place finish this past year. He has had multiple wins as an assistant coach and currently has a 73% winning percentage as a head coach. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Reck. Tim, thanks for joining me this evening. Well, thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's just get into this. Um, you, you've been an assistant coach for uh, quite a while now. And when Sioux Falls School Districts opened up a new school, a new high school, they said, hey, Tim, we'd like you to be the boys varsity head coach at this at this new school. Um, tell me about that uh, sort of transition or um, how that all came about and what the experience has been like in these in these two years with this new program. Well, it, it's been it's been a blessing. That's for sure. I can tell you that much. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to be head, named a head coach here in Sioux Falls uh, after the the amount of time that I've spent as an assistant. Um, I've had some great mentors along the way, but but going through all of this stuff and starting your own program, it, it's it's been really really um, a lot of fun. Uh, I've got great assistants helping me along the way. Um, I'm taking pieces of everything from the head coaches that I've been under, uh, doing a little bit from everybody, uh, putting it in the program, and really trying to build um, everything literally from the ground up. Yeah. What, what do you think has been the hardest part? Is it just the, the square one building or is there something else that's behind the scenes that officials like myself don't really see? Oh, it's a lot of little things that, that a lot of people don't see, like ordering gear and equipment and then double checking bus rides and then organizing parent organizations to help you out. There's just all the little things that are off the court uh, that I knew about but I wasn't a part of everything like I am now. I mean, when I was an assistant uh, with coach Nelson, I was in charge of certain things. And now I get to oversee everything from freshmen all the way uh, up to the varsity. Wow. Yeah. And it's, that's something that, yeah, we, we all don't really get to see or get to understand. And, And another thing that we all don't really get to understand or see is, is just who each person is. And so I'd like you to tell me a little bit more about yourself, personal introduction, where you grew up, where you graduated from, uh, family, hobbies, anything like that that you'd like to include. Sounds good. Um, I graduated um, a long time ago from Central Lion in Rock Rapids, Iowa, way back in 1989, went to uh, USD, uh, ran track down there for the Coyotes, uh, but always loved basketball, stayed in the game, uh, came to Sioux Falls and uh, started to uh, coach under Bob Wilbur um, and then moved over to Washington High School with Jim Trett 
and then uh, with Craig Nelson. Uh, I'm married. I have two children. Uh, both of them are grown adults. My my oldest is a senior this year at North Dakota State University, and my youngest is a junior at Northern State University. And both of them are going into teaching and coaching as well, just like mom and dad. Yeah, I feel like that's a similar thing um, it, with a lot of people. My mom was a was a volleyball official a long time, and and I feel like that kind of bleeds down. And, and sometimes it then bleeds a different way where my mom was official. Maybe I wanted to be a coach. But do you, do you see the passion for them to want to be coaches as well? I see it in, in both my kids that they want to be, be coaches. Um, my daughter, I know, would love to be a volleyball coach okay. uh, somewhere because that's one thing she was very passionate about, and that's what my wife was. She was a volleyball coach here in Sioux Falls for uh, over 20 years. Okay. And my, my youngest uh, played tennis, so I think she'd like to be a tennis coach uh, and go from there. Nice. Yeah, it's uh... – it, it's really, it's really fun to see kind of, um, the legacy that, that you can create for your kids to then step in those, uh, those shoes and that, and that path that, not that you forge for them, but also this, the one that you've kind of, you know, laid a groundwork for, but allowing them to kind of trudge their own path as well. And, and kind of, um, I, I guess it's weird saying this as a, as a 31 year old, but I, I saw that with my parents, you know, I saw that with my parents as well and, and, uh, and what they did for me. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know if you have anything more else to add to that. No, it's it's just fun to see because they'll they'll call and and ask us advice on, you know, do you remember when this happened when you were coaching? How would you handle it? That type of thing. So yeah, it, it's been fun. Absolutely. Um, is there any other hobbies that you have um, that you do in the side besides coaching? I, the crazy thing is, I know coaching takes a lot of time. Um, especially nowadays with some of the summer stuff that you can do now versus in the past. Uh, is there any other things that you are able to free your time up for? Uh, I, I really enjoy golfing a lot. Um, in fact, this past summer, I golfed a ton with the uh, head boys basketball coach of Washington High School, Jeff Tobin. Yeah. We would golf three to four times a week. Uh, so I, we like to do that in the summertime. And then the fall, I like to go pheasant hunting. Okay. Um, do you, so, is yeah, there, it's been a lot of fun. Is there a, a plot of land that your family has, some friends have? Hunt uh, on? No, we just, we go public hunting and I know a few people that have some land in, around the area that, that uh, I beg and ask them if I can go hunt with them every once in a while. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I remember like first time I went pheasant hunting, I don't know. I'm not a hunter. I'm not, that's not what I do. I just can't walk and tread for like, I don't know, however long and not see something. I'm, I'm very ADD, but maybe that helps me be, be a decent basketball official. Um <laughs> So let's let's get into it. You you talked about some of the the mentors a little bit, or some of the head coaches that you served under. Let's talk about how you started um, getting into coaching. Was it was it a parental thing, kind of like your kids? Was it something you did in college that led you down that road? And then along with that, some of the people that have influenced you in your coaching. Sure, um, I went into education down at USD. Um, actually, refed intramurals for a while and and did that while I was in college. So I did some football and and did a lot of basketball. And then a friend of mine said, Hey, I need some help. Uh, she was the seventh and eighth grade C and D girls basketball coach in Vermilion. And I went over and helped her and just had a blast. And, and, and her name was Tammy Blake and she's now up in uh, Fargo. And, and yeah, we just hit it off down there. And I, it really got the bug going in me. And, and that's kind of where it all started while I was still in school. Cool. And then, some of the, some of the head coaches that you have, that you had in the past, sorry, head coaches over you, 
Um, yep. what, what type of influence did they have on you? Was there, is there some sort of mantras or some sort of, um, obviously there is ethics that you take from them, but name some of those things that you took away from them. Uh, with, with Bob Wilbur, um, I really learned how to relate to players. He okay. did a great job of that, being able to relate with players and, and getting the best out of them. So I take those pieces from him. Uh, with Jim Trett, it was uh, game film breakdown. I mean, I would sit and watch film with him, and and we would break things down. And the way Jim would be able to break things down, just see little itty-bitty tendencies mm-hmm. that he was able to exploit. I really love that. And then with Craig, it was all fundamentals, being able to teach the fundamentals and things like that, with Craig being uh, one of Don Meyer's um, – players and things like that. Uh, so I took a little bit of everything from, from each one of those that, that really, really helped me, I think, um, as I start my career as a head coach. And now let's, let's talk about just some interactions and some fun stories you have as a coach. And maybe that is with those people that have influenced you, or maybe it's just with a team, with a player. Is, is there uh, a story that sticks out to you during your coaching experience? That, that was a fun one. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun things. Uh, I, I still remember uh, when I was with uh, Craig and it was our first time uh, making it to the state tournament out in Rapid City. And we had a, a gentleman by the name of Brett Stanley, a uh, very talented player. And he could he could shoot it. He could get to the rim and all that stuff. And, and uh, we always kept trying to get him, hey, Brett, you know, if you would make it do a shot fake and get by somebody, you know, you could help us in this way and all that stuff. And he just, he just never did it, never did it, never did it. And then we get to the uh, third and fourth place game. We're playing Rapid City Stevens. And uh, first play of the game, he shot fakes. He gets the the Schaefer kid up in the air, goes in, makes a nice little layup and, and points over to us and says, do I have to do any more now? I mean, I've done enough, right? So <laughs> it, it was one of those that, that always jumps out at me. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, there's just a lot of fun memories with some of the kids that we've had. Yeah. And I think that's common with most coaches. There's just, there's a lot of experiences. There's a lot of fun moments. There's, there's maybe one that jumps out, like you mentioned, but it's really hard to put into words, all of the other ones that are just like, you know, all the hard practices, all the different things you go through as a team. But yeah, it seems like there is one that typically just jumps out and that's, 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 that's a fun one. I think if a lot of people may not know, but I did coach for a few years and one thing we tried to teach our team was jump stop. I, I coached women's basketball at Dakota State as an assistant. And it was like, please jump stop. Please stop shooting this floater. And so I can relate with that, uh, that pump, you know, pump fake sort of thing there. Yep. Uh, um, and then is there a memorable interaction you have with, with me? It doesn't have to be me, but I like to put that in there because there might be something or with another official that was, it was a fun one that you had. Um, it, it's always fun. Um, having uh uh Jocko from from Mitchell he, yep. he he's got a lot of good ones I know as an assistant uh I would always try and talk to the officials as much as possible so that you know just to kind of gauge where they were on the night like that and yep. I know one time we're we're at Washington and we're saying Jocko watch this kid's feet he travels every time you know you're trying to buy some type of call as yep. a coach you're always trying to get in the air and lo and behold, we come out of a timeout, and I, I said, Jocko, now they're going to run this play. They like to run it out of, this out of a timeout. Watch the kid's feet. Watch the kid's feet. Just watch him. And and sure enough, he calls the travel on the kid, and he looks at me, and he goes, now, can you stop telling me that he travels every time? And I'm like, <laughs> all right, Jocko. I understood. Understood. <laughs> yeah, that's 
That's funny. I mean, that's that seems like a Jocko sort of thing to me. And and the, there's another guy. I don't know if you've ever seen him. His name is James Benning. He he's very similar in that regard. He's kind of got the that that nice sort of candor to himself where he can chat with the coach, get a call, and 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 really just kind of get the assistance and the coaches on his side, which. I, I think that's something that's to be admired in a sense. And also coaches, I mean, maybe for yourself, do you enjoy like officials that kind of have that sort of candor? I, I do. I, I enjoy having that. Type. I, I like officials who will at least, you know, come over and talk and, and understand that it is a game. Yeah. It's intense and all that stuff, but, but we're still out there trying to teach some values to these kids and, and things like that. And, and uh, yeah, if they have a good sense of humor or that type of thing, cause uh, I think that's pretty good as well. Yeah. And, and, and I hope that I'm, I'm trying to do that. Uh, there's sometimes I get, I, as a newer, I don't say necessarily newer, but as a younger official, I'm trying to make the right calls. And so I'm like, sometimes if I get too focused on that, I'm, I'm losing myself in the game. And then I'm going to have a different sort of, a, uh, approach coming towards me from coaches like you, it's going to be a little yep. more fierce and, and rightfully so. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, Jocko is an awesome guy and, and fun to learn from as well. Oh, yeah. And, and, and going from that. Um, there, there's many times, I think in the past 10 to 12 years, there's been a lot of rules additions. There's been a lot of rule changes. Is there one that you've seen? I'm just going to ask two questions here. Is there one that you've seen that you were glad was added to the rules or, or to what South Dakota has been doing and, and, and in the, the vice versa sort of sense, is there one that you do not like wish was maybe tweaked or maybe wish was implemented in our games? Well, I think um, I think the one that's going to be that that I think is going to be the most interesting to talk about is the new free throw rule. Yeah, that we have this year. I'm interested to see how that's all going to work out um, with the you know five fouls. Everything's a two shot foul after that. Um, I think it takes away a little bit of the one on one bonus at the end of a game. Yeah. Uh, so that is something that we as coaches are like trying to figure out. You know, how are we going to use it to our advantage. Um, how can it be used against us? I've been talking to a lot of college women coaches yep. actually to see how they do it, to see what they think of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one that's coming in that there's a little bit of an unknown about um, yeah. you, as that's coming. Do you think that, do you think that helps or hurts teams when it comes to like foul count situations and early game. So like say early game, first quarter, there's some teams that might get seven fouls in that first quarter. Well, now they get a reset. Do you think that's exactly. beneficial? Do you think it's beneficial to those teams harm hurt to the other team? Or do you think it kind of like plays itself out? I think it might be beneficial to those teams who maybe are going to full court press you and, and really don't care about fouls right now. They're going to yeah. just kind of get up into you and, and see where it goes, you know, you know, and to counteract that, you better make your free throws. Yeah, I mean, you better be a good free throw shooting team. If if a team is going to come at you aggressively, um, and you're going to be in the bonus in that first quarter, well, you're getting shots. Well, you know, put it to them early to see if you can do that. Um, and like I said, late game situations is going to be interesting. Um, I do know I've talked to a couple of college coaches about you know coming out of timeouts, like going into halftime, mm -hmm. if they got. Five fouls to give they'll just foul them yep. and uh and run the clock out and not even give them a chance to shoot at the end of a at the end of a quarter so that'll be interesting too yeah absolutely and and i think the the bigger difference with that also is for the women's like you've talked about is they can advance the ball 
where that gives right. a better advantage on maybe getting a shot where in high school you're in that end line, you get followed right by the end line. You're at the end line again. You're not, you're not moving exactly. down the court. And so yep. that, that offers a different sort of perspective for our game. And, and maybe that advancement maybe ends up being added to the game to help with that sort of um, disadvantage in a sense to that team being right. followed. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Like you said, if they got the length of the floor to go with four or five seconds, I mean, yeah, if they're going to not throw the long ball, yeah, you're gonna. I'm gonna foul. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a given. Yep. Uh, so, and then and then again, like the second question there is there is a rule that you didn't like or wish was modified or maybe wish would be added. Maybe that advancement I took it from you, but uh, is no, there another? Rule? Um, I would I would like to one one or two of them. Uh, I would like to see the charge circle put in. Yeah. Now I've heard some good and that bad things about that, and I would have no issue if we go to um, halves. Okay. In, in South Dakota, um, I would. Um, I know that there are some arguments out there. Well, then you you know you don't have a timeout necessarily. You know, at the end yep. of a quarter, and I, I'm thinking if we can go halves, I'm going to play more kids. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. Um, and and that that would be, you know, at a school like us, I think that would be an advantage to us. So you, I would I would take either one of those two. Yeah. Do you think at the at the high school level that if they were to go halves, would they ever do something like a media timeout? Would that be something they would ever be interested in? Or they're more like, let's just play the game. I don't know, because when we go over to Minnesota um, and play and we're playing halves over there, you just kind of get a little bit more of a flow to a game. Because sometimes like you get going right at the end of a quarter, Yep. you know, maybe and then you have that break and that can either help or hurt. Now, I just I just like the way the game flows a little bit and and. You got to be in shape and you got to have some more kids on the bench that you can go to. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think being an official and kind of a, a different perspective is I think the the teams that are going to struggle with that are going to be the lower level teams. And so I could see this being a, a better advantage for the the higher divisions because the simple fact that they have more players, they have more players that have the versatility to play multiple positions, have the ability to not be in foul trouble and play better defense where some of these lower level schools in the B class they might have seven players. And if they have to throw that eight player in, you may be at a disadvantage, which again, that, I think that also could speak to a, a coaching aspect of developmental things at the lower level and helping develop players to be able to play. At, but again, it's a numbers game where yep. um, I, I'm not saying it's easier for you all, but you have more numbers to choose from and it could be easier at the highest level to make that um, a reality. And, and so I, I don't want to shoot that down as, you know, something that's right. no, not worthy. The, but but I, those are all good arguments as well. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, NFHS, I think that's why Minnesota, they they do what they want to do. But NFHS is saying like, this is four quarters. And, and maybe that's some of the aspect of it is like, let's have these players play. But then the other half of it, like you mentioned, more players can play. So why not be more accessible for more players at a school to play? Yep. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a little while to get some rules going through our, our because of the steps that we have to go through with committees and, and things like that. But yeah, yep. we'll see. It comes up every about three or four years. Someone will bring it up and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And I think our, I think our state kind of spearheads a lot of things too. Like with the shot clock, now we see it at the, at the national level. And so yep. even even experimenting with things at our state level, even if maybe that doesn't bring us to the table that year for rules change and things like that then the NFHS can see how something progressed and how it worked. And I, and I think that's a great thing that our, our state is doing and has done 
again with like implementing instant replay well now at the at the national level we've got this instant replay that's available for you you know within right. within the manual and the the rules so i i don't know it just seems like every time south dakota does something next thing you know nfhs is like adding that and i don't know if that's just coincidental and uh not really correlation but i've seen a lot of that come into play sure. the same way i don't know if you've seen that kind of play out that way with seen that a couple times yeah yep. yeah and so um yeah and then following that a final question just to ask you for for that newer official and, and maybe for your games it's uh it's a younger uh up and coming official and they're new to the game or they're newer to the double a scene what is something you as a coach like or appreciate about a newer official and what can they do to whether that stand out to you or just to like really make a good impression. And um, I'll, I'll just leave it at that to start. Sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I, I would, I always appreciate is sometimes, you know, we coaches, we think we get screwed every call we, we, we have against us, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but it's, it's like when the official comes by and says, you know what, I probably missed that one. And, and then it's like, well, shoot, now what do I say? You know, because, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I should have probably called time out there, you know, that type of thing. But but uh, I, I really appreciate that when officials are just they're open and honest and they, and they just communicate. Uh, a lot of times there's many a times I know I'm guilty of this. I'll be talking to my coaches on the bench and something will happen and I'll be like, what'd you call? What was out there? And it's really 99 percent of the time I didn't see what happened. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm just curious on what's going on. And and I think the way that I do it, I'm, I'm trying not to be threatening that type of thing or questioning, you know, the yep. call itself. Yep. Um, it's just, hey, I wasn't I missed it. And and what happened? That yeah. type of thing. And, and I think I have every time I have officiated you, I've gotten that sense from it is what was what was called there? Because there's one I think I remember last year you were turned around facing your team and whether yeah. that was, you were telling your assistant coaches, Hey, we need to relay this on, or you turn in, we're talking to a player. I blew my whistle. And then I saw you snap around really quick. Like what just happened? Yeah. And I go and report to the table. And then you ask me that question, like what happened, what the heck happened there? Yeah, and so, exactly. And, and yeah. And that's, and like I said, 99% of the time, I'm like, I totally did not see what was called or <laughs> and just need an explanation, that type of thing. Yeah. So for sure. And, a kind of a different aspect of this question is also like with n newer officials, what is something you think they need to do um, to be the best that they can be as a newer official? You know, trust in the calls that they're making. I mean, we have some veteran coaches and, and I've been in the business a long time too. We have some veteran coaches that, that are really um, good at, you know, trying to make sure that, Hey, I've been here a while. You know, not necessarily saying I should get the calls, that type of thing. But yeah, but I've been in the business a while. I wouldn't say intimidation is a factor, um, but, you know, they're just trying to assert their their uh, veteran. Yeah. Uh, 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 that they've been there a while and I just be be con consistent. And, uh, you know, you see it, you call it, stick with it and go yep. from there yep. and uh, come over to the coach and say, hey, he reached. He, he hit him on the arm. He, you know, tell us exactly what they did. Yep. Cause then we can go back to the kid and say, listen, the official called it. This is what they said. They saw, we got to go with that. Yep. And, and, uh, and I think, I, I hope that, you know, with you officiating some of our games and things like that, that, that uh, one of the big things in our culture is, 
Hey, we are going to question the officials yep. because there, I've never, and I, I tell my kids this in practice and before games, I have never questioned official and the official come over and say, Oh yeah, that's right. We're going to take that foul off the board. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen. So yep. they called it. That's what they saw. Move on. Absolutely. Don't dwell on it. Move on. Yep. Perfect. Um, thanks, Tim. I appreciate you uh, getting on this evening and, and joining me. Any other last words you'd like to to say? You know, I just I just appreciate all the officials. Um, I know they get a, a bad rap sometimes, and and fans get on them a little bit, or I should say a lot. And it, and I don't think it's justified. Um, I I've been supervising some uh, freshman football games, and we had we had a couple fans, and I said, you know what, the best thing our AD could do is walk around with two referee shirts and a whistle. And as soon as a parent or somebody in the stand starts complaining, go hand them the jersey and say, here you go. Yep. You got a better call angle, you go make the call. Yeah. So I just appreciate you guys. Um, I hope it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> I'm having fun doing this. And, and uh, you know, I try and be as respectful as possible. Yeah. And and I feel that way whenever I've officiated you, and so I don't I don't feel any animosity towards you. Again, the same thing you said you preached with your players. Uh, I maybe there's one call that I've ever felt like they like looked at me kind of funny, but then I probably was wrong in that regard. So, um, yeah. But again, thanks again, Tim. I appreciate you joining me this evening, everybody. This has been the Irenic Ref Podcast. I'm Andrew Gross, and we will see you next time.